Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from quarantine here in Detroit. And I know y'all thought Will fired me because he's hosted the last two episodes by himself. But I assure you that is not the case. Um, Will kindly offered to host uh, the show so I could be on bed rest and take care of myself for a little bit. So thank you, Will. I, I truly appreciate it. Um... And this is our last new show of 2020. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a hell of a year, guys. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what else can be said about 2020 that hasn't been said time and again. Um, it, it, it is just one of those things where uh, I'm, I'm glad it's over. I wish it hadn't happened. Uh, But here we are. So, moving on, uh, and going back to talking about firing, uh, Megan McCain announced that she is returning to The View on January 4th. Now, uh, um, the co-hosts are not happy about her return. Whoopi, in particular, is very unhappy. According to my ABC News source, um, Whoopi Goldberg told producers, and I quote, there better be a fucking plan in place to get rid of this bitch. It was bad enough I had to smile and nod while she was pregnant and was acting a fool. If she comes back and is insufferable, I will not deal with it. Either she goes or I go. End quote. Um, Obviously, this is not the first time that Whoopi and Megan have had issues. If you'll recall, back in August, um, Megan called Whoopi a liar on air, even though Whoopi had uh, the evidence right at her fingertips. It was the first time in the show's history that... One co-host blatantly called another a a liar and was proven wrong. Um, And Whoopi had no problem embarrassing Megan. Um, And in fact, um, she was suspended for her behavior on air. Um, And rather than uh, apologizing when she returned, she acted even more crazy and like a bitch. Uh, It got to the point where instead of going through... August, like, uh, like they had planned to cover the uh, Democratic National Convention and the Republican National Conventions, they actually uh, went on hiatus uh, while producers tried to figure out a way to deal with the rising tension between the co-hosts. Uh, and mind you, they're not even in the same state. Uh, Megan is in, um, I believe she's in New York City. And Whoopi is in New Jersey. So, that's how bad it was. Um, And then, of course, Megan uh, was on the show for about three weeks before going on maternity leave. Um, And during the maternity leave, she got really upset because her mother, uh, Cindy McCain co-hosted, and was actually considered one of the top contenders 
for the conservative seat. See, Megan knows she's being replaced. Um, my source, uh, who has worked in very close contact with Megan McCain, said part of her doesn't even want to be on the show anymore. Uh, and in fact, Megan is always surprised when her contract is picked up uh, because she knows she's not doing a very good job and doesn't really enjoy it. Uh, it it's a better pay than what she was making on Fox. Uh, but she wants to be on a show where everyone agrees with her and or kowtows to her, and I use this very, very lightly, um, her knowledgeable opinion. Those are her words. Um, and in fact, when my source worked with her, uh, she tried to force my source to admit that Democrats want to kill babies as soon as they're out of the womb. Uh, when my source refused, she started screaming at her. To the point where my source went to the brass and said, I will not do this anymore. I, uh, I will not work with Megan. Either get me off this fucking show or I will quit. <laughs> um, so... With her impending return to the show, Megan's already ruffling feathers because she is very hurt and upset that she was not given a baby shower by the show. Uh, and in fact, she feels as though other co-hosts were treated better than she, she has been. And here's where I think she's actually... Uh, Right. <laughs> it, it killed me to say that, guys. It really did. <laughs> um, yes, other co-hosts have been treated better than her. Uh, I remember, I uh, think it was Elizabeth when she was pregnant. Um, they did do um, a big uh, baby shower before she went on maternity leave. Um, when Star got married, obviously there was a huge controversy because um, Star got a bunch of stuff for free uh, using the show. And here's the thing. Um, no employer is required to give you a baby shower. Um, maybe it's a nice thing to do. Um, but we were in the middle of one of the most intense elections ever. Um, and frankly, there was much more to be concerned about than buying Megan a crib. Um, I know she likes to think that, um, she and her baby and her husband are the center of the world, but no one really gives a fuck about them, right? <laughs> um, so she has been, um, a bear to deal with. Uh, as she's returned to production meetings and uh, is screaming about every little thing, uh, Whoopi has started to uh, lay out some topics that she thinks should be covered um, when they return, including the fact that uh, Megan lied about her not being there for the interview. Uh, 
about the fact that Megan um, basically insulted uh, Joe Biden by saying she wasn't going to vote for him because she didn't agree with his stance on abortion, even though he was a close friend of her father's. Uh, and Trump has repeatedly attacked her father. Uh, and she even uh, lashed out at Trump uh, for invoking uh, John McCain's name and called him obsessed. Well, I think this is a little bit like the pot calling the kettle black here. She was also, she's also really obsessed with abortion uh, for no good reason. Um, she attacked Pete Buttigieg on, on this issue. Uh, and Pete actually uh, spoke with uh, my source and another producer and said that he didn't appreciate... Um, he didn't appreciate uh, Megan trying to get that gotcha moment. Uh, trying to either force him to say that he was for late-term abortions or for um, or against them. Uh, and he would prefer not to uh, be interviewed by her anymore. Uh, and <coughs> she has cited her his dodging of the in her words, dodging of the question as to why his campaign sputtered out. <clears throat> Every single expert disagrees with her. Um, and even the people inside of ABC have told her that she needs to back off her rhetoric because she is not the authority on middle America, as she said. Um, and one of the producers before her maternity leave started actually pointed out that uh, the only way she could be considered the voice of the middle uh, middle America is if uh, she gave up all the nepotism that has landed her these jobs uh, <clears throat> so far and if she actually tried to land them on her own merit instead of letting everyone in the world know she is John McCain's daughter something she's not willing to do and I'm going to take a break, and I will be right back. And I am back. And taking just a little bit of a victory lap here, uh, Will and I have been working on the Soap's Return story for quite a while. Um, I have been following it uh, for <coughs> um, almost a decade now, since I first left the air. Um and then once I was able to uh, start talking to people within ABC uh, and within the Disney Corporation, I obviously started bringing it to you guys. Well, last week, uh, it was confirmed uh, uh, that instead of a daytime reboot, uh, ABC, uh, ABC Signature Series, which is the production arm of ABC, is uh, going forward with a uh, primetime drama reboot of All My Children, uh, tentatively titled Pine Valley. Here is what we know so far, and I've 
I've been talking, ever since the news broke, I've been talking with my ABC source um, and other people in the know. It is not likely that Kelly Ripa's workplace comedy, Work Wife, is going to move forward at uh, ABC. The consolation prize here is uh, she is being given an executive producer credit on the uh, on Pine Valley uh, with a chance to uh, be a star on it. Um, for those of you who didn't read the log line, basically it's a reporter comes to Pine Valley to get to the root of the Santos slash Kane feud. For those of you who are not aware, um, Kelly Ripa played Haley, uh, Haley Vaughn, uh, later Haley Santos, uh, the young wild child daughter of Adam Chandler. Uh, Kelly's husband, Mark Consuelos, uh, played Mateo Santos, <coughs> Haley's soulmate. Uh, they both left, uh, I believe Mark left just before Kelly did. Kelly stayed on, uh, through her early years on live. And she is expected, uh, despite, uh, some executives' objections, she is expected to stay on live as Ryan Seacrest, uh, is expected to step down. Um, Kelly is now, I believe, the longest tenured uh, co-host in the show's history. Um, and as such, um, they don't want to... Basically, they don't want to th- uh, throw people off here. So, <clears throat> instead of uh, firing her and trying to get Ryan to stay, they have decided that it is much wiser... To keep Kelly Ripa and let Ryan Seacrest go. Uh, and part of that is going to be um, giving her more uh, production opportunities. Especially if uh, Pine Valley does well. There's some internal debate as to whether it should sell to ABC. Uh, which was All My Children's Home Network. Or uh, if it's going to work better at a streaming service. There's already been uh, very, um, very interesting phone calls, is how it was worded to me, about Pine Valley um, from some streamers. Uh, One streamer in particular, uh, it wasn't, um, my source did not give me the name of the streamer, but implied that nearly everyone has it which I'm assuming is Netflix. Um, One streamer has offered a very, very generous uh, licensing fee. Uh, But what is is concerning producers uh, and executives on on this project is not a licensing fee. It's how long will the show last? Uh, Of course, Netflix has a tendency to let the shows um, 
blow up big, give them a season or two, and then cancel. They see this as a more long-term project, uh, possibly uh, molding it into an, uh, a true primetime soap opera. Uh, so there is a very good chance that this does land on ABC. My source said she would not be surprised um, if it went to a cable network uh, that could use uh, a high a high profile IP uh, like Pine Valley. Uh, but uh, at this stage, she doesn't she doesn't foresee that happening. Um, because it's so targeted um, in its audience and almost none of the current uh, none of the current cable networks share um, the demographic that they're looking for. So it would uh, it should either go to um, ABC proper as I've mentioned, or it could go to Hulu. Uh, and if it goes to Hulu, expect an announcement of a multi-season pickup. Um, they're going to be treating this as um, almost like an anthology where there will be one driving um, plot. Uh, b- but it'll be unique in that the same characters, same actors will move over to the next season or the next plot um, with the same subplots and all that jazz. So there's not going to be really any reset here. Uh, Susan Lucci is in talks, um, as I've mentioned several times, uh, to reprise her role of Erica Kane, uh, the matriarch. Um, Alicia Minshew has been... Um, Alicia Minshew has been... Um, talk to. Um, they're not in active negotiations as of yet. Um, word is, if they can't get Susan Lucci to sign, uh, they might pull a switcheroo and try to get Sarah Michelle Geller to reprise her role as Kendall Hart. The preference here is Susan Lucci because she's a brand name, um, one of the most beloved daytime stars. And she has primetime experience. Uh, as for who else could be um, joining the cast, they are casting a wide net. Um, Rebecca Budig has been approached about reprising her role as Greenlee Smythe. Um, but they're also looking to bring in some of the new generation. Um, and they are also hoping to find um, actors with um, primetime level name recognition. Uh, especially for the lead character whose reporter is uh, said to be driving most of the first season's plot line. Um... At this point, um, they have a few names. Uh, She was not allowed to release them to me. Uh, But she did say 
um, one of the most prominent names uh, to join uh, Pine Valley, uh, or it's um, on the wish list, is Demi Lovato. Uh, they they don't think that they're going to land Demi, but uh, that's kind of the caliber that we're looking for here. Very high in name recognition, decent enough actress, um, but the the goal right now is to bring in the beloved vets for um, the acting and bring in some bigger names to attract the eyeballs. <coughs> um, and this is very likely to go to series, uh, even though at press time it's not officially greenlit. Uh, my source said that there would have to be a major screw-up for uh, them not to green like this and bring it to the American people. So, there you go. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I am back. Um, so, the, the talk show world is a little bit cray-cray right now. Um, we, there's Ellen testing positive for COVID-19. Uh, there is Wendy Williams' mother dying. Both shows have gone on a hiatus, um, until the beginning of the next year. Um, there's something weird going on over at The Real. Uh, it seems as though they're going to, um, be losing another co-host, would not be an episode without me coughing, right? Um, uh, word is, since their ratings have sagged, um, CBS executives are looking at ways to either improve the ratings before the end of the season or completely um, get rid of the show. Uh, my CBS source... Uh, has said the show was designed to be a showcase for Sarah Gilbert and Julie Chen. With neither of the women on there, it feels more like a clone of The View right now. And execs are not happy because that is not the tone that they were going for. They kind of wanted the anti-view, where... Uh, women sat around talking about parenting issues and uh, even perhaps relationship issues. Um, but they never wanted to um, get into the p- political arena, uh, especially since The View has that cornered so well uh, and has done it for many, many years. Uh, and there's a new little wrinkle to this whole story. So, my CBS source tells me that one of the things um, that, the, that the executives are looking at right now is not how the talk is doing, but how well Drew Barrymore is doing. When Drew Barrymore signed on to host her own talk show, um, as most A-list celebrities do, she was given a two-year contract. Um, That means they have to produce two seasons no matter what. 
and um, essentially her her show started kind of hot and then flamed out. But what execs are thinking is um, if the talk is replaced uh, with something cheaper, they can keep Drew Barrymore going and kind of coach her. And yes, I didn't. I don't know if y'all knew this or not, but talk show talk show host coaches are an actual career. <laughs> I am blown away by this, to be quite frank. Um, I had no idea. <laughs> um, so when I said that they're about to lose another co-host, it looks like the one they call Mrs. O. Sharon Osborne could be uh, looking to fly the coop before um, the show is canceled. She has a reputation of uphold. Uh, if you'll remember, um, they did a the Osborne family did a um, a variety series special. That was supposed to turn into a series. When, when the ratings came in and they were not good, Sharon Osbourne went on the offensive and said, "Hey, look, this was always supposed to be a limited thing. Like we only did it for fun. This was never going to be the next big show." <clears throat> of course, she was. Of course, she was fitting because. They had deals signed in place uh, for production to go uh, r- to go right into production on the show. But uh, if the execs do decide to cancel the show, look for Sharon Osbourne to exit the show somewhere around um, April. My source said that um, the, obviously the co-hosts and the production teams will be. Uh, the first to know. Um, that way, um, any of the co-hosts can kind of start to spin things. Um, some of the newer, the newer arrivals, um, will be forced to stay, uh, stay put. But, um, and when I ask them, does anyone really think it's fair to put the talk out to pasture when uh, just saved Drew Barrymore. And he kind of schooled me a little bit. Not going to lie here. Um, He was like, this is business. He's like, you know, if you look at the budgets, um, the talks is much higher than Drew Barrymore's. You know, we're paying five co-hosts, pretty significant salaries, especially those have been with the show for a while uh, as opposed to Drew Barrymore you know we're paying um, the salaries of her production team and her salary but you know it's one person and she can land the really big guests even in her first year like Reese Witherspoon Tom Green um, and she has such a um, Rolodex of friends that she's worked with that 
it's not very difficult for her to to book guests. Uh, and if you look at the ratings, um, the talks ratings are only a little higher than Drew's. So uh, when when I asked him if they would be tinkering with Drew's formula, he said. Uh, not necessarily. What he thinks happened is she doesn't have an audience. And when they filmed her pilot, she had an audience and she really thrived off of that. So he is of the belief that um, once we get the pandemic under control and people can return to semi-normal and there can be people in the studio again... She will, um, Drew Barrymore will, um, will spark again. Um, and he said, you know, and to be frank, the talk really never took off uh, the way we had hoped they would. Um, there was always a hope that uh, the talk would kind of mirror the success of The View Um, And that having these different ladies would bring in different demographics. What's actually happened is um, they've settled into one niche demographic. And no one knows how to bring them out of it. Whereas Drew um, is kind of equal across race, age, age. the only the only part, and this is to be expected for a talk show, uh, um, as I was told, the only um, the only part of the demographic breakdown that is um, solidly one way is gender. Um, there are not very many males who watch Drew Barrymore, um, but she's very popular uh, with women and. Uh, he pointed out that if you look at Oprah's demographics, if you look at Ellen's or even Kelly Clarkson, who just, whose show just got renewed for two more seasons, um, you will see that their demographics skewed heavily towards the female end. Um, with Kelly kind of being an exception, um, where, uh, gay males actually watch a lot of Kelly Clarkson as well. Um, Drew, for her part, has offered to ditch her own show and join the talk. Uh, something that something that producers and executives contemplated for a very brief time, but uh, feared that it would uh, feared that the show would be overwhelmed by her presence uh, and become the Drew Barrymore show. And they said. If we were going to do that, we might as well just stick it out with the formula that we have going now. And speaking of formulas going well, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. And I'm back. And we're going to continue talking about talk show hosts. Um, In this case... I kind of alluded to her and um, spoke about her in the last segment. Um, We're, of course, going to talk about some Kelly Clarkson. 
Uh, Kelly, uh, as everyone is well aware, is going through a divorce. And at first it was, it seemed to be very amicable. Uh, and, um, you know, they, they really didn't think um, that it was going to turn ugly. Uh, during the premiere week of her show, uh, she even said as much. She said that she was trying to uh, keep it out of the tabloids and out of the press as much as possible because she has three little kids to think about and, you know, they're the apple of her eye and she doesn't want um, she doesn't want any of the negativity to touch them. Well, unfortunately, uh, her husband, or her soon-to-be ex-husband, Brandon Blackstock, does, did not feel the same way. Um, as they were fighting over custody, uh, he, his father uh, and the company that they founded together, uh, his, Brandon and his father founded together, uh, it was a talent agency, uh, and they sued Kelly for uh, over a million dollars, saying that she she owed them back compensation and that she just suddenly stopped paying, etc., etc. Uh, and Kelly did not take that sitting down. Um, she fired back that the... Uh, the company is not licensed to handle talent. And in fact, they are not even um, a fully formed company. They were providing illegal services, she argued. And therefore, she should not have to pay them any kind of money. Um... And has asked the judge to invalidate any verbal contracts that uh, this that these people believe uh, they are owed. First of all, damn. Just damn. <laughs> I would not want to be on Kelly's bad side. Okay. Let's just say that right here now. Um, uh, Brandon then went and asked for nearly a half million dollars in child support and spousal support, uh, which Kelly said, nope, no way. Um, the judge, as far as I know, has not ruled on that, even though he has given her uh, primary custody. So what went wrong here? Brandon thought that he would... Uh, easily get Kelly back, according to my L.A. source. Uh, He thought that um, when Kelly filed for divorce, uh, this was just all antics on on her part and that um, she would never actually break up the family because uh, she's very old-fashioned and uh, believes very strongly uh, in traditional values and wanting a two-parent household for the kids and behind the scenes um, with friends and acquaintances she is quite verbal uh, about the real cause of her divorce publicly she has stated that you just realize people are not right for you or that the situation is not good 
Um, there are some allegations of abuse, uh, but they're not coming from Kelly herself. And I did ask if she kind of leaked it out to um, paint Brandon in a bad light. Um, I've been assured that those allegations um, <clears throat> were not made lightly. Uh, there was no direct uh, denial that they came from Kelly. Um, but I uh, know I'm actually reading right here, right from the email itself. Uh, just, just know this and let your listeners know. The abuse allegations were not made lightly and they were not made to embarrass or drive anyone away. They were made because they are true. And Brandon needs uh, needs anger management, end quote. So, um, whether or not she leaked it herself or if it came from her camp or whatever, um, this, this is something that was already known. Um, also widely known within the gossip circles is that Brandon had a wandering eye and was cheating on her. Um, some sources have said that he was cheating on her uh, even before they got married. Uh, while other sources say that the first, um, the first affair happened while she was pregnant with their uh, daughter. In either case... Uh, the argument, the argument that has been made, in his defense, is that um, Kelly knew he was a playboy, um, and he wanted a family, but he also wanted to be with as many women as he possibly could. <laughs> um, the obviously the counter argument is, well, then don't get married. Um, and sources close to Kelly say. Uh, she recognized. Uh, she recognized that uh, he was a wild one and enjoyed uh, their time together. <sighs> but he had promised her that when they started having kids, things would calm down. Uh, so I, it kind of implies that there was a, an open-ish relationship here. Um. With the agreement that when uh, when they started having kids, uh, he would stop um, sleeping around. Uh, there was a very large story um, that made the rounds for a while saying that um, she would have threesomes with him and uh, she caught him having sex with a threesome partner. Um, my LA source and a couple of other people I trust implicitly have said that is not true. Um, if they, they did have threesomes, but she did not catch him having a threesome, or uh, having sex with a threesome partner. Uh, one of the things that um, was also said is that he may be bisexual. These, um, and all my sources again said that that would not bother Kelly one bit. Um, and that if, if he had been sleeping with another man, um, she would have 
uh, been more open to trying to find an arrangement that worked for all of them. Um, uh, one of my sources, and I verified this uh, through my LA source, said that one of the biggest issues uh, was not the flandering, although that was part of it, uh, but Brandon's drinking. According to the source who told me, uh, Brandon could easily spend between a thousand and two thousand dollars a day on alcohol. And it got to the point where um, Kelly's not necessarily tight with money, but uh, she thought that it was a little ridiculous that they were spending seven, eight, nine thousand dollars a week on liquor, and she didn't know where it was all going. Um, which is, I don't know how you spend a thousand dollars on alcohol, y'all. If y'all know, please tell me, cause you know I don't know. Um, I, I just went out and spent a hundred dollars on alcohol, and I'm still like, um, what? And those were Christmas gifts. <laughs> and you know, replacing the tequila I I stole from Will, but <laughs> yeah, um. So that we at least now we're getting a little bit better picture of what happened in Kelly's marriage. Um, I have a feeling that eventually she will reveal the full um, reason. Um, one one school of thought is that she is going to write a memoir, a tell-all memoir about this. Um, <clears throat> And allegedly, her literary agent floated, um, just kind of floated out there that she was thinking about doing it. And the offers were sky high. Um, one of the highest offers, just on the hypothetical, was about $8 million for an advance. So we shall see what happens with that. I'm going to take a break and I will be right back. And I am back. So we're leaving behind the world of talk shows and we're going to enter into the world of bad celebrity behavior. Yes, we are going to talk about Pastor Carl Lentz. I'm pretty sure that's how you say his name. Okay, so... Um, in case you've been living under a rock and you haven't been following the scandal as closely as I have, I'll do a really quick fill in the gaps for you. In November, in the beginning of November, uh, Hillsong fired uh, Carl Lentz, uh, and they were kind of vague on the reasons why. We later learned it was because he had been having affairs. Um, and we, we actually met one of his mistresses who, um, said that when she met him, he actually said he was a sports agent. Uh, and, uh, one of the things that I did read that, um, 
that kind of really took me by surprise is he was very upfront about being a married man. Um, he told her that he was married and had kids and that whole shebang. Well, here's where it gets kind of interesting. As the scandal has evolved, um, uh, Carl has been trying to keep a really low profile. Um, to the mainstream media, he's trying to save his marriage and uh, be a good guy. Uh, but behind the scenes, he is freaking the fuck out. Um, you guys will remember that I told you in um, a past episode uh, where I went really deep into Hillsong. Uh, this was a cult, uh, basically. Um, the church um, was... On the surface, they welcomed uh, gay parishioners. Uh, but once you were inside... They beat you over the head with how it's a sin and uh, you need to basically uh, get into the lifestyle that they chose for you. Um, And if a man asks you out, if you're a woman and a man asks you out, you have to say yes. Uh, If he asks for a second date, you have to say yes, even if you don't like him. Conversely, if the man doesn't like you, uh, for whatever reason, he's not required to take you out again. It's all very weird. Well, the mainstream media has finally caught up with us, um, and they're finally revealing these practices. Um, And they're also revealing some of the other things I told you. Um, I spoke very uh, frequently in the past about how Carl Lentz Uh, would go out and get sloshed with Justin Bieber. Well, his Carl Lentz's former dog walker is now um, heavily implying that he walked in on uh, Carl Lentz and Justin Bieber having sex. Um, He, the dog walker has framed it as keeping the identity of the um, uh, the identity of the young celebrity secret. Uh, but all the signs are there. Um, there are no male or female pronouns. Um, and it is really interesting how um, the timeline actually falls right into when Justin um, first started going to, to Hillsong. Um, so basically the story goes like this. The dog walker uh, walked in and got the dog and heard sounds from the bedroom where it was very heavily implied. Um, you know, I mean, basically there were sex sounds. You know what sex sounds like. Um, and Carl and the celebrity ran out um, and were acting all nonchalant uh, when... Uh, as the dog walker was getting onto the elevator and was basically like, um, or what are you doing here? Um, so, 
as I read this account, I decided to ask some of my friends in New York uh, who lived in the same uh, neighborhood and who actually um, were following uh, uh, Carl Lentz, uh, both in Hillsong and um, as a celebrity, um, him as a celebrity and was trying to get dirt on him. Here is what they told me. There is... Um, this is from one source um, who uh, worked as a paparazzi uh, for a time. And I quote this person uh, verbatim from their email to me. There is no doubt Carl and Justin were fucking. They were seen getting handsy with one another quite a few times, including once uh, on a basketball court, Carl had... Uh, camo, camo shorts on, uh, with a visible V-line, no underwear. A pastor does not walk around with no underwear on. Then he went on to say, as a straight man, I can assure you that if I'm going to be walking around in camo shorts, uh, freeballing, there's going to be a woman around or I'm going to be getting fucked. The fact that Carl had no underwear on and they went directly to a hotel room tells me that Justin and Carl were having sex, end quote. Uh, And it was the same thing uh, with my source who worked inside Hillsong. Uh, That person said to me, and I quote, Ed, it had always been very strongly rumored that something inappropriate was going on with Carl and Justin. It was the talk of the church. Anyone who was anyone within the church would talk about it behind his back, but none of us would say it to his face. We were all scared of losing our jobs. I personally walked in on Carl orally servicing Justin at least twice They played it off as though they were praying. But tell me, why would Justin's zipper be undone? And why would he have an erection if they were just praying? After the second time, I knew I had to leave the church. I could could no longer be a party to the hypocrisy of us saying we love the gays. But you need to not live that lifestyle, even though I knew... One of the bigger, bigger name, one of the bigger name parishioners, and the head pastor were involved in a homosexual relationship. End quote. So, um, that leaves me no doubt that these two men were uh, were messing around. Um, it kind of surprises me a little bit that um, Carl was the one uh, giving head, uh, but. It also kind of makes a lot of sense because Justin was a big fish. Um, And I believe, um, I have to check the timeline on this, uh, but I believe right around um, the time that the dog walker and my friend who used to work at Hillsong, um, I believe that this was a... um, Right around the time when those naked pictures of Justin came out because I was still writing for Generation Gossip at the time. So that's kind of really interesting that 
um, Justin is having his naked body splashed all over the internet, um, purportedly with a female friend, um, but then going and having sex with uh, a celebrity pastor, basically. Um, I don't know if the mainstream media will ever... um, I don't know if the mainstream media will ever actually cover um, that story um, unless one of them admit it. Or if Carl Lentz's wife comes out and starts speaking about it. Uh, I think one of the major parties would have to... um, I think one of the major parties would actually have to uh, start talking about it before um, it hit the mainstream media. Um, I will say in the gossip blogs, um, this has been kind of an open secret that Carl and Justin had a uh, relationship. I was, as I was putting the segment together, I um, started going back through some of the archives and researching, um, and especially Crazy Days and Nights. Um, NT Lawyer definitely had um, some really interesting lines. Not as graphic as what... Um, either one of my sources said, but really right up there, if I'm honest. So, uh, hopefully we will get some acknowledgement. Um, but like I said, I'm not counting on that 100%. I'm just glad that people are starting to talk about what a cult Hillsong is. (laughs) Um, I was so happy and Will will attest to this. I was like literally just ramming it down his throat that I was right and that the mainstream media finally caught up to me. Um, Sorry, Will. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. And I am back. And for most of 2020, we've talked about how the coronavirus has completely changed our way of life. <clears throat> um, from having to wear a mask when you go to the store and, and social distancing uh, to Will and I not even, be, not even being able to record together um, because we are uh, in different states at this point. Um, you know, it's, it, it's been a really hard... Uh, it's been a really hard time. And just as things are starting to open back up and, and productions are getting back um, to, to work here, um, we're finding out that some crew members are not taking the new safety protocol seriously. Last week, on the set of Mission Impossible 7... Tom Cruise was recorded, and there's audio of this if you want to go hear it. He's screaming at um, crew members for not adhering to uh, the the safety measures that are put into place. And um, it really, it really um, delighted me. I'm not always a fan of Tom Cruise, okay? I'll be honest. Um, I think he's a short man with a Napoleon complex who thinks that he is owed um, people's respect. And he is owed um, 
He is owed people's respect, and he is owed, um, just, um, unwavering loyalty and to be treated like a god. Uh, but, in this case, I'm actually on his side. I think that there is definitely something to be said for, um, I think there's definitely something to be said for Tom. Um, letting people know that, like, their behavior is improper. Um, so, but there's been controversy um, following him since that point. Uh, there have been, uh, basically just like everywhere else in life, um, there have been two camps. One that is pro-Tom and saying that he has absolute right as a producer on the project. And this other contingent, um, who I call the anti-maskers, who think that this is all fooey and who cares um, if people want to stay close to one another, it's their choice, whatever. (coughs) Um, So... As this controversy has roiled, Tom has been seen out with his co-star, who is very likely his next love interest. And this is how things get really interesting. So, uh, I never believed a Tom Cruise romance. Um, Once he jumped on Oprah's couch declaring that he loved Katie Holmes... I was done. Those kind of theatrics belong on stage, not in real life. And I get it. Like, um, celebrities have a heightened sense of reality, right? So maybe that was just him really expressing his love. Except he didn't really love her. Um, yeah, um, but this is not about Tom Cruise and, and... Katie Holmes. Uh, But so he was seen with his new co-star. And suddenly the headlines changed from his COVID rant to who's the lucky lady on Tom's arms. Uh, Until Leah Rimini stuck her nose in this whole mess and said, you know, the whole COVID thing was just Tom doing it for publicity. Uh, and you know, here's the thing, like, I'm not saying she's wrong, because she was part of the, uh, she was part of Scientology, so she knows their rules, she knows what they believe, uh, much more than I do. I've researched them, I've written about them, but never having actually lived their life, um... I would never say uh, for certain what they believe. But she can. Um, and this is a case where she where she did. Um, she said she, uh, they most certainly do not uh, believe in science or, or, and things like that. Um, and that Tom did this for um, Tom likely released this recording for publicity 
himself. And I know some people are like, well, no, like that doesn't make sense. Uh, actually, it does. Um, I, and I never thought I would agree with Leah Romani because I am not a huge fan of hers. Um, but yeah, I actually think that she is on to something here. Um, because she is, by and large, a, a Scientology expert. Um, and as I mentioned, um, or kind of implied before, Tom Cruise is known for doing um, stunts for publicity like that, like jumping up and down on a couch, like, I'm sorry, um, there's just no excuse for that, like, um, I I, I don't even know how to explain it, to be honest, um, but I do have my sources on this. I'm looking for information, so as soon as I get more, I will give you some more insight into what's going on. But for right now, I need to take myself a little break, and I'll be right back. And I am back. So, if you haven't heard by now, <coughs> HBO Max is looking to do a Sex in the City reboot. Sons. Kim Cattrall's Samantha Jones. Um, you guys will remember we've when uh, we covered the feud between Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall ad nauseum um, when I first started drunk gossip. Um, <clears throat> but for those newer listeners, let me give you a little bit of a shorthand here. Kim Cattrall's um, Kim Cattrall had wanted. Uh, to do Sex and the City 3, but only on her terms. She wanted pay parity with Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, a producer credit, to, so she would have power on the set, and she wanted to force Warner Brothers to greenlight her projects. Warner Brothers said, no, we're we're not interested in that. You know, the second movie didn't make that much money that we would... Uh, Kowtow to what you want. And Sex and the City 3 died. Uh, It was later revealed that the plot line of Sex and the City 3 revolved around uh, Mr. Big uh, dying. Um, And shortly after this, um, Kim Cattrall's brother died. And Sarah Jessica Parker reached out to say, you know, I'm very sorry for your loss, if you need anything. And Kim Cattrall went crazy on me on, on social media, blasting um, SJP, you know, saying, we're not friends, you were mean to me, you know, we did a show together, but that's it, you know, we're not friends. And... <clears throat> As I pointed out, and I've often said to people, you don't have to be friends with the people you work with. Um, I still personally talk to some of the people I work with, but, you know, it's not one of those things that's necessary. So, um, while she was promoting a couple of other projects, Kim Cattrall went on a media tour and started suggesting that they recast Samantha. She said she would absolutely never 
positively, absolutely never reprised the role. She was done with it. It was, you know, she she played the role for all it was worth. And she said that they should cast a person of color, a woman of color, in the role of Samantha Jones. <clears throat> and then she landed the Fox primetime soap opera, Filthy Rich. And she thought she was the shit. And again, went on a media tour. Uh, this time, several talk shows reported that they were told they were not allowed to ask about Sex in the City. Kim Cattrall denies this and said that most of them just didn't because it was um, COVID and um, the show was premiering around her birthday. So that's what um, the focus was on that. However, Filthy Rich premiered to the lowest ratings of any Big Four Network show in the history of television. And was uh, canceled uh, by episode seven. The only reason why it got its full run, according to my source at Fox, was because of this is COVID times. Fox had no hope that it it was going to suddenly perk up or um, that delayed viewing uh, would make it a hugely popular show. Uh, once once they seen the study ratings, um, they knew that they were they were done. So, Warner Brothers sits down with Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker uh, via a Zoom meeting, according to my Warner uh, Warner Media source, and they said, "Hey, would you be interested in reprising Carrie Bradshaw?" Uh, most people know this, but in case you don't, Sarah Jessica Parker has spent the better part of the last two decades working with HBO. First on Sex and the City, and then on her um, new show, Divorce. Uh, Divorce is coming to an end after season three. And so SJP was like, well... You know, do Cynthia and Kristen, uh, Cynthia Nixon and Kristen Davis, who played um, uh, Miranda and Charlotte, respectively, are they interested? Those two ladies were like, yes, of course, we want to do this. Uh, they talked about uh, Michael Patrick King, who is the um, creator and um, showrunner, and he was on board. And so it was announced that a limited series would be, uh, could possibly be coming to HBO Max. Cue the Kim Cattrall meltdown. My LA source, who has very close connections to Kim Cattrall, uh, was given audio tape of her just screaming. She was furious. And in a direct quote um, from the audio, which was played for me, she said, nobody even asked me if I wanted to do the Sex and the City reboot. It's not fair. 
I was just as much part of it as they were. Why would they not ask me? This proves that they were the mean girls. They didn't like me because I was too popular. It's not going to work without Samantha. And I hope they know that. End quote. My LA source said that Kim Cattrall has been having a very tough time dealing with the fact that she is not uh, as popular as she was during the Sex and the City heyday. Uh, In fact, the movie offers are drying up. Uh, The series uh, offers are either of uh, an aging mother or a grandmother and not the sex pot. And this is something that uh, she can't comprehend. As for the as for the plans for Sex in the City, uh, plans are just now getting underway. They're they're working on the script and breaking things down. <laughs> um, one of the most likely scenarios um, is that they're going to draw in. Um, a very famous guest star. Um, someone that the audience is already familiar with um, to kind of see how it's going to work um, as far as the chemistry goes. Um, someone has suggested that they bring in um, one of the gay men, but there was a little bit of pushback from Warner and from uh, a couple of the writers saying that um, you, uh, use, utilizing a gay character to be promiscuous could be construed as uh, stereotyping. Um, and it's not as if Sex in the City has the best track record uh, with their gay characters as it is. So they're walking a very fine line at this point, trying to figure out what's going to work um, best for the show. Uh, when I asked my Warner, uh, Warner Media source if it's possible Kim Cattrall could, uh, still appear, he said it's, anything's possible, but it's not likely. After the debacle with Sex and the City 3 and her outrageous demands, no executive wants to work with her. And we have mandates from uh, parent company AT&T to get HBO Max running and profitable. It seems very unlikely Kim Cattrall would help with that goal in the slightest. Instead, we'll focus on the three women who have been team players and have worked their tails off to make sure that we are successful. Uh, This is, of course, a breaking and developing story. I will stay on top of it, and I will also be right back. And I am back. So, this story is still developing. Um, Will and I uh, took a little bit of a break um, from researching exclusive stories, but 
I have some feelers out for more information. So as soon as we uh, as soon as we get it, we will obviously bring you the exclusive. But I wanted to at least start to address the Shia LaBeouf scandal that is rocking Hollywood right now. We've known for years uh, that this man has issues. Uh, just time after time, he has proven to be exceptionally uh, hard-headed and, uh, frankly, a bit nasty. Um, uh, there have been uh, so many instances of bad behavior um, and him taking his own career, frankly, um, including getting fired from the Transformers franchise uh, by Michael Bay. Which, how do you get fired by Michael Bay um, if you're a male? I, I, I do need to specify that because I believe Megan Fox was also fired. Um, and then eventually she returns to the Bay Fold. Anyways. Um, so this all started when FKA Twigs filed uh, a lawsuit against him claiming um, abuse, uh, yeah, claiming domestic and sexual abuse and battery and claiming that he uh, really uh, ruined her career uh, with his actions. She didn't really go into deep details about uh, what happened. Uh, but I think the lawsuit really speaks for itself, to be honest. Uh, the two dated from uh, 2018 to 2019. And she says that the only reason why she filed the lawsuit was because uh, a settlement offer of uh, Shia going and getting the anger management and therapy that he needed uh, was shot down. Through the lawsuit, many women have uh, spoken up in support of FKA, including singer and songwriter Sia. Uh, with, without adding more details, she basically said that Shia lured her into an adulterous relationship and um, really kind of screwed up her life. Again, she didn't really... Uh, give many more details, and I'm not sure that she she needed to. Uh, to be frank, uh, we know that um, Sia was married. Um, there was a divorce, and connecting the dots is fairly easy on this one. Uh, so, um. But, of course, Shia didn't deter her career at all. Um, and, in fact, until she mentioned it, I don't think anyone realized that they had any kind of personal relationship. Um, I do believe that they knew um, that they had a very deep professional relationship happening. Um, you know, he started in her... Uh, one of her videos, uh, and 
she had cast, I believe she cast him in a movie or in some sort of other project. Uh, and then uh, immediately fired him. Which brings us to this blockbuster variety report uh, that came out over the holidays. <sighs> there, uh, Olivia Wilde is directing a new movie called Don't Call Me Darling. And after um, after her first movie, uh, Booksmart, uh, blew up and really became a phenomenon last year in 2019, she um, started to create a whole policy uh, which has been dubbed by various industry outlets as no asshole uh, policy. Now, I mean, this is obviously a very good policy. <coughs> Excuse me, that I think that we all should uh, listen to. But one of the things that um, has really um, taken uh, the entertainment world by storm in in the middle of um, this brewing scandal uh, is the truth about um, Shia LaBeouf's exit from the project. Uh, originally, he was cast as the male lead, and people really truly believed that this was his big comeback moment. He was ready to get serious, put the drugs and the anger and the weirdness and whatever uh, behind him. <coughs> Uh, he had starred in cr- critically acclaimed movies like Honey Pot, or Honey Boy, I'm sorry, uh, which was a semi-autobiographical account of his relationship with his father. Uh, and then there was another movie where people just loved him, and they felt that he was stepping up and moving into the leading man role again. Don't Call Me Darling was going to cement this um, and was his ticket to moving into this brand new world uh, that was created. So, as they started to um, do pre-production stuff, all of a sudden, Shia was exiting from Don't Call Me Darling. And at the time, it was cited as um, a scheduling conflict. And everyone was kind of like, yeah, okay, I guess. It, it makes sense. Well, Olivia Wilde, uh, in relation to the FKA Twigs lawsuit, actually came out and said... He was an asshole. He was not treating his co-stars or the production crew with any kind of respect. So I I fired him. And uh, he was eventually replaced by Harry Styles, who has the production company really excited about the prospects of the film. She, uh, Olivia Wilde did not give specifics of what he was doing, 
Um, and my LA source only said that he'd heard rumblings of what was happening. Uh, those rumblings included uh, trying to force himself onto uh, female crew members and uh, thinking that he was going to be the one calling the shots uh, and not Olivia Wilde. Uh, and <clears throat> my source promised to uh, get me more information, but he said that this was uh, this was always bound to uh, flame out, according to some executives who have worked with Shia in the past. So, what do we know? about this going forward or what are we um what are some of the little tidbits that um are coming in now that I've put out feelers for it um I've heard uh again through the LA source that there was a big confrontation between Olivia and Shia and the studio was always a little skeptical of hiring uh, Shia, but thought it would be a brilliant way to uh, market the movie. Uh, And when she wanted to release him from the contract, uh, they stood behind her. Uh, There was no... uh, There there were no issues. (laughs) At least as far as I can tell at this point. Uh... The FKA Twigs lawsuit seems to be the first in a line of many, many, many coming out. Um, and in fact, Ashaya's new lawyer seems to believe the same thing and uh, has said publicly uh, that he, his client is going into rehab and getting the treatment that he so sorely needs. Uh, no one actually believes this. Uh, they believe that Shia is going to go into hiding for a little bit and let the let this whole scandal blow over. But again, I will uh, have more information uh, hopefully in the beginning of the new year. And right now, I'm going to take a break, and I will be right back. And I am back, and I got special permission to talk politics from Will. Because there was something that I just really wanted to address myself. Uh, And that is the controversy surrounding Dr. Jill Biden. Emphasis on the doctor. There's an essayist by the name of Joseph Epstein who wrote an opinion piece for the Wall Street Journal. uh, And basically he stated that he felt it was wrong for Dr. Biden to use the stuff, uh, the prefix doctor because she's not actually a medical doctor. His argument stood that while she's in the White House, she should forego using that title, that it is inappropriate for her to be using it. The backlash was fierce, to say the least. 
But I think a lot of people miss uh, the point here. Uh, um, there was a lot of hemming and hawing about how she earned the title. And Dr. Biden most certainly did earn the title. And she should use it. Um, Joy Behar from The View actually gave us a little bit of history on the title doctor. And in its original form, it was intended to be used by teachers and educators. Uh, And this is kind of where my mind started to uh, develop this. Uh, you know, and the, of course, there were certainly some people who called it a very sexist and misogynistic thing to say, uh, especially about a incoming first lady. And while Mr. Epstein did not uh, outright say that he felt that uh, Dr. Biden should use the title first lady, it was there were certainly overtones of that, um, that she should take a back seat to uh, President Joe Biden and allow him to shine. In this insinuation that two people who very clearly love one another, and I know that seems very strange coming out of the era of Donald Trump where it's very clear that Melania is in it for the money and Trump only stayed married to her because he had to to win uh, the Republican nomination. Uh, uh, So coming out of that kind of transactional relationship back to two people who genuinely love one another is a shock to many people's systems. But just because people don't understand a relationship doesn't mean it's not right. It doesn't mean that these two people can't both shine in their respective fields. Joe Biden is an A-list politician. Always has been. He knows how to work the world of politics. He knows how to get things done. And that is great. And I think he is owed the utmost respect for that. Dr. Jill Biden is an educator. She loves teaching. Uh, Numerous reports have said she plans on uh, continuing teaching at the community college uh, where she is a professor during her years in the White House. She is an A-list educator. And she needs to be allowed to revel in her accomplishments. There were some people, and I actually heavily agree with them, that said um, Joe Biden should put Jill in as Secretary of Education. He won't because it's not normal and it's not traditional for a president to put any member of his family in uh, in positions of power. Uh, I believe Clinton and Trump are the two uh, people who are, are the two presidents who have done that uh, so far. But more than more than that, 
would Jill even accept it? I don't think so, because I don't think she wants to be a politician. Uh, if she wanted to be a politician, her her last name alone would have allowed her to enter into that arena. Her whip-smart personality would have made her a formidable foe for any one who went up against her. The fact that she chose to stay in education, I think, speaks of volumes. <clears throat> Let's be honest here. The Bidens do not need the money. Both could have retired by now. They're both, they both continue to work in their respective fields, not because they have to. Those days are long gone. They choose to continue working in their respective fields... Because they want to. They want to make the world a better place. And bravo to them for that. So what Mr. Epstein is insinuating here is that Jill should be ashamed of her achievements. She should be ashamed that she wants to work and that she wants to be an example to millions of of women and little girls out there. But the real shame is on the men who trumpeted and spouted that Mr. Epstein was absolutely correct, that Dr. Biden should drop the doctor title from her name. And it goes to show just how far Trump has pushed this country into the Stone Ages, where some of these men, let me rephrase this, some of these Republican, quote-unquote, Republican men believe that the woman's place is barefoot in the kitchen and pregnant. If we've learned anything these past hundred years, it's that Women are more than capable of holding their own. They are capable of going out and getting jobs and pushing forward. And yes, I feel very passionately about this subject uh, for very personal reasons. Uh, My grandma's birthday would have been on December 23rd. uh, And... She was everything that Dr. Jill Biden embodies. She was whip smart, strong, and feisty. My grandmother was also widowed in 1969. She was left with eight kids to raise and had to work. And the easy thing would have been for her to go out and find another wealthy husband. And um, and pretend like my grandfather never existed. Instead, she forged her own path. uh, Rising up the ranks at a bank and ending as executive vice president 
of loans. And she did this while traveling to Detroit in an era when segregation was still the name of the game. It wasn't as bad here in Detroit, for certain, but it was still bad. It was still a thing that existed. And when I spoke with um, various members of my family about this, they pointed out that even when my grandfather was alive, she worked. And they both supported one another. And when I look at President-elect Joe Biden and Dr. Jill Biden, I see a reflection of my grandparents. I see two people who genuinely love one another, supporting one another, and pushing each other to the highest of highs in their respective fields, and making choices that make them happy. And not what the world wants to see. And frankly, that is the American dream. Thank you all for listening. This has been so much fun. Um, 2020 has been challenging for all of us. But um, from the bottom of my heart, thanks for listening. Coming up next is Will with Politalk. Hey folks, producer Will here, and welcome to the last Politalk of the year of our Lord 2020. May the door hit it in the ass on its way out. As has been the case for most of the past two months, the national mood is once again uncertain. This time last week, Congress had finally come to an agreement on a stimulus bill. A bill widely derided as too little, too late, containing no aid for local and state governments, and supplying stimulus checks that were half the size of the $1,200 ones the federal government sent out in March. Nevertheless, the bill did provide some much-needed COVID relief and did not provide the corporate liability shield that Republican senators and representatives had so desperately sought, a measure that most Democrats viewed as toxic. And the House and Senate were ready to pass it along to the president's desk, when Trump tweeted his sudden opposition to the bill, claiming that it was far too stingy and calling on congressional Republicans to raise the amount of the stimulus checks to $2,000. Congressional Democrats jumped on the chance to get more money for their constituents, but congressional Republicans were furious at being blindsided by the president. Talks to complete the bill have once again stalled, and many congressmen fear that if they send the bill to Trump's desk as is, he will veto it potentially sending the government into yet another shutdown during a desperate time if congressional Republicans and Democrats cannot put together the votes to override a veto. This is far from the only disruptive move that Trump has made recently. Over the past few weeks, he's used the powers of his office to push through as many irreversible decisions as he can. His administration is auctioning off oil drilling rights for the Alaskan National Wildlife Refuge, and he and his team have ordered a spree of pardons and executions alike. Unsurprisingly, most of the pardons have gone to his political allies, or people who share his ideology. Among the most prominent figures who've received Trump pardons are his former advisor Michael Flynn, who pleaded guilty of lying to the FBI, 
Former Representatives Duncan Hunter and Devin Nunez, both of whom were convicted of corruption charges. His longtime advisor and confidant Roger Stone, who was convicted of witness tampering and lying to investigators. And a trio of Blackwater mercenaries who were convicted of opening fire on a crowd of civilians during the U.S.'s occupation of Iraq. The pardons have drawn condemnation from across the political spectrum, with even noted Trump supporter Pat Toomey coming out against them in a Fox News interview earlier this week. Nevertheless, censure has never stopped Trump before, and it's unlikely to stop him now. In other news, an unknown individual set off a bomb in downtown Nashville on Christmas Day. A few local police officers, who'd come to the scene investigating reports of gunfire, heard what they described as an eerie recorded message coming from a nearby white RV, warning them that the vehicle would explode in a few minutes. The officers immediately evacuated the surrounding area, and as a result, only a few people were injured in the explosion, though police did later find human remains at the blast site. Police have announced that Anthony Q. Warner is a person of interest in the investigation, and his neighbors claim that Warner kept a white RV that looked much like the one that exploded on his lot for many years. Local police have not publicly announced whether the remains are Warner's, however. And, of course, we have the last, least welcome bit of news, which is that the coronavirus continues to spread rampant across the U.S. With the federal government stalling on action and state governments running out of money, there's not much work going on to stem the spread right now. And at many hospitals, ICU beds are overflowing. Still, there is some good news. Vaccination has begun. The U.S. has secured more than enough of the vaccine to supply the entire population arguably at significant expense to other poorer nations who have had trouble making and maintaining the vaccine. And leaders across both parties are urging their followers to get it. Hopefully, the coming year will see the pandemic subside. But, of course, we won't find out till we get there. Anyway, that's Politalk. I hope you all had a very happy holiday season, and I wish all of you a very happy new year as well. Until next time, cheers!